Now, the Sunday Spin continues on 720 WGN. Here's Rick Pearson. Good Sunday evening, 707 on this Sunday evening, and welcome to the bonus hour of your Sunday Spin. I'm Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune here in the WGN Skyline studio. And joining me now is economics professor David Merriman from the University of Illinois, Chicago, part of the University of Illinois Systems Institute of Government and Public Affairs. Uh, Professor Merriman, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks. It's nice to be here. Uh, The professor was part of, a, a, I believe it was a a group of authors that uh, took it upon themselves uh, at the request of the University of Illinois to look at the possible fiscal impact on the state uh, due to the pandemic. And uh, it's not a pretty picture. And uh, I believe, uh, uh, David, your, your, your results came out before Governor Pritzker kind of gave his version of how uh, his uh, government accounting office was forecasting things. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We, we were, I, th- I think uh, the, Commission on Government Forecasting and Accounting, which is a legislative uh, entity, came out first, and then uh, we came out, and then the uh, the governor's uh, office management and budget came out. Well, it's uh, it's, it, it's ugly. All, all was pretty pretty bad news. It, yes, it's ugly. It's dripping with red ink. And and if you could, why don't you? Can you just kind of walk us through what uh, your analysis showed? Yeah, so I mean, you know, there's really uh, three main things to think about: what's going to happen to revenue, what's going to happen to spending, and what's going to happen to assets, the value of assets. And, and the most important part of assets is, of course, the the pension investments. And you know, it's bad news on all fronts. The worst news is probably on revenue, at least for the short term. And so uh, there's a wide range, I have to say, because we, you know. We wrote this in early April. There's a lot of uh, uh, different views on how bad the recession was going to be. And so we had a range of losses anywhere in terms of revenue declines, anywhere from about $4 billion to over a longer period. That would be in, a, in kind of in the current 2020 year, not the fiscal year, but the entire calendar year, from $4 billion to $28 billion over a longer period of time if the recession was really bad. I still think that's probably the right picture. Uh, we're probably talking over a couple of years at least, Oh, I would say at least twelve billion dollars of decline in revenue. You got to remember that it's on about a sixty to seventy billion dollar budget. On spending, the picture is is much less bad. The big thing that's going to get hit there is Medicaid, and we're probably talking only about two billion dollars or or two or three billion dollars only about two or three billion dollars. Right. And, and then you know investments. It's very hard to tell, um, but you know there certainly will be a hit over the long term. Um, in terms of the funding level of the pension funds. And, you know, that, you know, you should remember that there are state pension funds. There are also local government pension funds. We we didn't really attempt to come up with a quantitative number there, but it's going to be significant. One of the things I was curious about, and I I noted when I read this report and and was writing writing about it, was that issue about uh, Medicaid expenditures. And I would think that 
obviously with a pandemic and the increased health care costs and the way that the pandemic hits those without uh, the resources, that that's where the state budget would, would really get slammed. Yeah, it does get slammed. Uh, there, there, you know, partly the federal government has, uh, you know, the Medicaid is a state and federal program matching program. The federal government has upped the match rate a little bit uh, by six, from 50 to 56 percent of each dollar we spent is matched by the federal government. Um, and that'll help. Um, the federal government, in addition to that, has some money to bail out hospitals to give hospitals some additional money. But the it's not going to be enough to cover it. And, you know, we don't know in the long run what the federal government's going to do, it, but it's just, it just turns out it's, it's not as much money as on the revenue side. That's where the big hit's going to come out. Uh, and yeah, you, I mean, you, you get to the, the, the big question of the federal government. And I want to, I want to come back to that in a, in a little bit, but um, okay. So we have, we have that kind of range of revenues uh, losses of, of from four point three billion with a short downturn and a strong fast recovery to twenty eight billion dollars dragging out through twenty twenty three. How does that compare with the way that the governor presented it the other day? Oh well, I, I think the governor's. First of all, the governor was only for the next fiscal year, and so it doesn't match up exactly. So he's for the fiscal year that starts in July and goes through the end of June of uh, 2021. And um, it's very much on the low end of our range. That would be, it's around $4 billion, I believe, in uh, decline in revenue. And that would be a really, if we could get through it with just that, that would be a really... uh, very optimistic solution very optimistic case well when i mean when you look at already he's talking about the need to short-term borrow money to get us through the end of the budget year that that ends june 30th and then of course that becomes well that might cover over something that becomes an obligation in the budget year that starts uh, on uh, july 1st Right. Well, the one thing to recognize then is, you know, the federal government delayed um, the, the, the federal the income tax. tax. Right. Right. And because of that, um, Illinois really had no choice because the Illinois income tax form uses the, the result from the federal income tax form. And so Illinois had no uh, no choice. And it also moved up its state, which means, uh, according to people at the Department of Revenue, that's going to be a significant hit to revenues. But we will get that back, or at least some of that back, in in early July. So the short-term borrowing to get us through to July 1st, um, it's not such a terrible thing. Normally, I would be, you know, say that's a, a really bad plan. In this case, there's some justification for it. But we're clearly not going to have enough money to get through the next fiscal year. So, uh, uh, yeah, that's going to just be added to what we need to pay. We're speaking with economics professor David Merriman from the University of Illinois, Chicago, part of the U of I Systems Institute of Government and Public Affairs. I'm Rick Pearson. This is the Sunday Spin. (music) 
Welcome back to your Sunday Spin. I'm Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune here in the WGN Skyline studio. And joining me on the phone is Professor David Merriman from the University of Illinois, Chicago, and the U of I's Institute of Government and Public Affairs. We're talking about the pandemic's effects on the state budget and what lies ahead. And sure, it's it's uh, uncertain uh times that we're in but there is a certainty uh this budget is in for a big hit and uh i i, I don't think you're going to disagree with me uh, professor merriman no that's for sure yeah uh, so i guess i'm curious um we looked at as part of the governor's statement about revenues uh falling and, of course, on the November ballot, we've got the constitutional amendment uh, proposal to change the state's income tax. Uh, but one factor I want to point out is that uh, originally it had been forecast to raise about $1.4 billion if it was approved by voters um, in, in effect for a half a year. That has already been reduced by $200 million in the governor's estimate. But uh, we have a good friend of the program, Ron, with a question. So, Ron, good to hear from you, and I hope I didn't steal your thunder on that. Well, no, hey, Rick, hey, it's just really good um, talking to you, Rick. Yes, and that's my question, Professor. The, 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 the economics uh, ramifications of the the, the, the fair tax, but also the political realities of it. So that that's my question. And, and Rick, just really good talking to you. Enjoy the show as always. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Ron. Professor Merriman? Okay, well, I, I can talk better about the economics than I can about the, uh, you know, the, the politics of it. And I guess we did do a report uh, a few months ago on the, sort of the economics of this. Um, you know, uh, it, it clearly can raise a significant amount of revenue by having uh, uh, graduated rate income taxes. Um, I don't think that's fundamentally changed. Um, the question of, you know, what are, in the short run, I think it's quite clear that it will raise revenue. The long-run question is, will there be a significant deleterious effect as, as you know, people in the high-income brackets uh, move to other places? Um, you know, I find, you know, based on the experience in California, New York, New Jersey, all of which have relatively high-income tax rates, um, you know, that's, I find that I don't think there's going to be a massive wishing sound. There could be some slow, gradual uh, movement out. Uh, but it, we're, we're probably going to raise a significant amount of, of income. Uh, and, you know, we're certainly going to need that income at this point. Um, and there may be an issue of, you know, in, in terms of tax fairness, uh, who's going to be hurt the worst as a result of this COVID-19? I think it, it probably isn't a surprise to anybody that uh, the, the people, uh, the more uh, moderate and low-income people are probably going to be hurt worse than those of us who are you know, more fortunate. Let me, uh, I, I don't want to drag it too political, but let me, let me take a stab at this from an economic standpoint is that obviously this proposed constitutional amendment 
uh, was poised to probably be the uh, most expensive political campaign on the uh, state's November general election ballot. Uh, mm-hmm. Things obviously have changed in the nature of campaigning, not only for candidates, but for also for political initiatives. But that having yeah. been said, you know, we kind of had the argument laid out earlier in this in on the two sides of this about, quote, uh, the supporters calling it a fairer tax and that the wealthier should pay their fair share and that uh, it would that 93 percent of taxpayers would pay. Uh, the same, if not less, under the proposed rates that were adopted by law if if this amendment were to pass. On the opposite side, and, and basically there's uniform Republican opposition to this, is the argument that uh, nothing prohibits the legislature from raising uh, the rates and in perhaps changing them so that it would extend further down into more middle class incomes and and so the the question i have for you is in this time of uncertainty which which argument kind of wins out here because you know the, the, the argument being and 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 the republicans have made this and i am not taking a side but their point was the wealthy don't have enough to bail us out and that was before and that eventually yeah. those rates would creep down into the middle class I mean, I could see that as a Republican argument. First of all, it's clear that I agree with the argument that at least that the rates that have been proposed or even anything that's kind of a reasonable set of rates compared to what other states have done, the wealthy don't have enough money. There's just not enough money up there to to totally bail us out, not to fix it. it. Of course, it would help. The $1.4 billion, you've got to remember, is for six months. I can't. You know, I can't talk about what the Illinois legislature would do. I can tell you, I've looked at about 20 years of data from uh, states that both had flat taxes and graduated rate taxes. And that 20-year period, you know, did include the 2008, uh, you know, very bad recession and also the 2000-2001 recession, which wasn't quite as bad, but still a big hit. And uh, we, we haven't, you know, totally finished analyzing the data or published anything on this yet. But the, the basic impression that I got from looking at that data is tax increases have been, of any kind, have been quite rare. And they haven't really been different in graduated rate states versus uh, states with a flat tax. So, um, so you haven't seen, like, pressure to move those rates uh, to capture more uh, more people in a graduated in a graduated that's correct there haven't been very many tax change tax rate changes of any kind and most of the changes that have gone on have been rate cuts i mean and that's just been the kind of the general tenor of the country over the last couple of decades is to cut taxes and so uh you know uh, i think this could be different. Obviously, Illinois is a pretty unique state in a lot of ways, and it could be that it will, uh, you know, there will be compelling uh, arguments to raise the tax rate. I can tell you that's not what's happened in other states and even some other, you know, kind of relatively liberal states. We haven't seen that. Um, one other thing I want to ask uh, as far as state taxation is uh, the sales tax. And obviously with the kind of a decimated uh, retail economy, 
um, if perhaps there might be more pressure to try to expand the state sales tax when we know sales tax revenues are going to be very, very low. Right. Um, so, yeah, and, and I, I will say, you know, it's, it's very hard to figure out what the, what's going to happen with uh, sales tax. I looked at some recent data, particularly in Cook County, and, and we think it's going to be pretty devastating. Uh, you were talking about 20% drops or, or, or more in terms of sales tax revenue. Um, there's been many discussions over many years about uh, broadening the base of the sales tax to include some services. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. The, the political uh, unwillingness to do that has, has always been very, very strong. And I'm not sure even in this era that's going to change, but it's certainly, you know, certainly possible. Well, I just wonder, uh, you know, given when you look at, you know, the, the, the people that point out that are critics of Illinois' tax structure point to states that don't have an, you know, an income tax, but they're heavily reliant on sales taxes, and that can't be good for their economies. Right. Well, the, right. The sales tax, you know, is probably more likely to hit low income and middle income people than income taxes. Um, and uh, but Illinois has the problem that, is, especially in Chicago, where we have you know Cook County rates and city rates, right. we have relatively high rates, but the tax doesn't produce very much revenue. So. Broadening the base kind of makes sense, but you might want, at least in some places, to try and also lower the rates some. And if you do that, you're probably not going to get a lot of additional revenue. Um, so that, we're right. in a bind. <laughs> That's to put it kindly, I think, is over to bind. So, so now comes the big unknown, and, and, and basically my last question is, we don't know what the feds are going to do. We've seen numbers floating anywhere from $500 uh, billion to $1 trillion as the requests for state and local assistance uh, to the feds. Um, and then we also see, uh, as as happens in Congress, and it's true with both parties, now there's an opportunity to kind of try to leverage and play leverage games right. with it, uh, which we're seeing right now. But we're also seeing that, you know, pretty much a pause that this could be a while before there's a, a relief package that would get to the states. Yeah, I, I you know, I sort of don't see, uh, I, I understand the politics of it. But I don't see how the federal government can not come up with some money for the states because uh, the states just can't handle this on their own. I mean, Illinois is not as bad as the hit is going to be in Illinois. We're not the worst. I mean, we're we're in worse financial condition than a lot of other states, but a lot of other states are getting hit even harder. You have to remember that the some of the states uh, like Alaska – uh, which don't even have doesn't have an income tax is hit because the price of oil has plummeted and they get a lot of revenue by taxing the extraction of oil and and so I think um, this is probably a winner politically because every state uh, is going to need more revenue um, how you know it, it, I still say it won't be enough I mean it'll right. it'll it'll Stops the bleeding a little bit, but it won't be enough. And um, Illinois, unfortunately, has a reputation as a state that's been irresponsible, and that might 
work against us as we negotiate for more revenue. That's David Merriman, professor of economics at the University of Illinois, Chicago, a member of the U of I's Institute of Government and Public Affairs. Professor Merriman, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks. It's been great to talk to you. Take care.